Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. Um, this week, my guest is Stu Harvey. Um, Stu, as I'm sure everyone who's going to listen to this knows, uh, hosted Short Fast Loud on Triple J for 11 years, which is crazy. And Stu resigned his post as the host of the show last year um, and has since been passed on. But Stu started the show there and um, before that did a radio show on Triple R for nine years before that. Um, And yeah, has just had like a, you know, clearly a really big influence on punk and hardcore in Australia and in Melbourne in particular. Um, Stu's an awesome dude. He also works for a record label called Cooking Vinyl and has worked for a lot of other record labels and has just had like a really big influence in the Australian alternative music landscape and is an awesome guy on top of all that um and you know like many other punk and metal and hardcore bands in Australia he's had like a pretty um you know large impact on how my band I exist developed in Australia he was the first person to play us on the radio he was the first person to you know get me in to interview me on national radio and He's always been like a really big supporter of local music and local bands. And, um, you know, he really did his part for a long time and he's continuing to do his part with the record label he works for. So I thought he'd be like an awesome person to have on the show. And he was kind of one of the first people that I wanted to interview when I thought up the idea to do this podcast. So sick to get him on and have him be the guest for episode number 10. So, um, yeah. Here's my conversation with Stu Harvey from Cooking Vinyl and Triple J and Triple R and being a fucking mad cunt and playing my bands on the radio. Um, enjoy. Brutal. Stu Harvey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Az. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. In my lovely home. This is the first time I've done anything on a microphone since since last year. December. Yeah. Fucking sick. sick. I'm the premiere, the return. <laughs> um, all right. Well, before we get into your many years behind the helm of a microphone. Yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. Talk about how you got into music. What was the thing that brought you into music to begin with? Into music from the start? From the very beginning. The very beginning. Um, I can remember when I... It was Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. I would have been like six or seven. Yep. I got a portable cassette player yep. as a Christmas present. And it come with a couple of cassettes. Uh-huh. You know, your usual kind of um, kids' cassettes. <coughs> and the other one... And another one was Chipmunk Punk. Oh. Very which, which, yeah, yes. which I only realised just a few years ago. I'm yeah. like, geez, that might have been a sign. <laughs> um, which was like basically all, all like kind of rock, kind of um, CBGBs, punk kind of things like that. Yeah. Sped up, so it sounded like a chipmunk was singing it. Perfect. So that was that. And I also got a gift voucher to the local record store. Mm-hmm. And I went and bought the, 
the Gene Simmons solo album. That's fucking awesome. On cassette. That's so good. So that was my first well, why, cassette. Why? What was the reason for purchasing the Gene Simmons well, solo record? I remember um, around that time, a couple of years before, maybe the year before, Kiss had toured Australia for the very first time, mm-hmm. and they played at VFL Park in Waverley. Yep. And I can remember they were on the front cover of the Herald Sun or the Sun as it was at the time. And it was like a big photo of Kiss um, with face wrapped in like bandages or something like this. This is before they'd taken the makeup off. Right, right. So I was like a six or seven year old going, this is insane. (laughs) It's crazy. You know, these these guys are amazing. So went to the record store and I probably bought the Gene Simmons one because it was the only one they had. Yeah. So... And it has a fairly brutal cover to him. Yeah. Makeup right in the middle. Full on. I was like, yeah. this is sick. So yeah. that was the kind of, that's a, that's as far back as I can go. Yeah. And so did that, was like, was Kiss sort of the jumping off point then for like rock music? Was that something that I, 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 got I you? I guess. But it was, yeah. I suppose kind of, that was just the start off and then it was my parents' record collection. Yeah. What sort of stuff did they listen to? That was pretty standard. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, the Beatles. Okay. Um... My dad was a massive Queen fan. That's awesome. Yeah. It's very musical. The best thing was, my dad was a massive Queen fan, being a great Aussie Australian dad. Yes. When, when it came out that Freddie Mercury was gay, yeah. couldn't believe it. Makes no sense. <laughs> He's a rock this, singer. Look at this flamboyant front man. <laughs> yeah. who he probably had so many chicks. Too. It makes no sense. So, yeah. um, but yeah, that was, I mean, my parents' record collection, yeah, Queen, um, The Stones, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, that was always... Like, they were never big music people, but we'd spend a lot of time in the car on the weekends. Like, yeah. my grandparents lived down in Ocean Grove, so pretty much every second weekend we'd be driving down there. So sure. it was always music in the car. Yeah. Same Queen tape, you know, Day at the Races, over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of grew from there, watching, you know, Countdown and shit like that. And yeah. I used to listen to the radio a lot. Yeah. So, just a, a love that kind of grew. You yeah, know, and cool. developed it was always rock. Yeah. And then, you know, as you get to become a teenager I kinda of went, you know, um, through metal. Yeah. Metal and hip hop. Metal become kind of punk rock and yeah, yeah. expanded from there really. So when so was that like in high school? Yeah. And yeah. was there like was there anyone in particular that, you know, you remember turning you on to metal or was that something that was just like because it was happening at the time. It was kind of happening at the it, time. You just fell into it. A few, a few friends. Because you know what it's like when you're at school when it's like, um, there's a couple of kids who are into different music mm-hmm. and it was metal and everyone else was just listening to In Excess and shit like that at for the sure. time. So yeah. I had a few friends who'd be listening to metal and you'd buy something, you'd kind of tape it for someone else. So, yeah. you know, I had one friend who bought um, Anthrax Among the Living. Right. That got passed around. Yeah. Um, and then I had another friend who was into kind of punk rock stuff, so he'd like take Dead Kennedys for us and things like that. Yeah, cool. And it was the way it was, because, you know, I'm old, so this yeah. was back when, <laughs> this was pre-internet, so, yeah. you know, I, I then go to the local record store and, yeah. you know, find bands' names off thank you lists and, yeah, yeah, for sure. um, you know, talk to the dude in the local record store about what else I could get and what yeah. else made sense and, you know, buying... I'd buy Maximum Rock and Roll on Flipside mm-hmm. and just read them cover to cover and you just know, take it, whatever take list, you could. Make a yeah. list, yeah. Go, okay, well, I want to buy this next. I mean, yeah. You know, oh, Screeching Weasel, that name sounds sick. Yeah. Go on, you, know, <laughs> you got to look it, it up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. I think, I think that's something that's like totally going to. I, I mean, I guess I was just before the curve of where it became. 
possible to find anything and everything. Because yeah. I was still of the generation of like getting the Roadrunner monthly the mail out. Mail out yeah, and yeah. like, so like, you know, when I was in school, I was like, okay, so I like type a negative. <laughs> so then I'm going to like this other goth shit. And then, but I also like Deicide. So then I'm going to like this other death metal yeah. band. And like, I think that's, it's really going to like fuck people up when the, they can just find everything in one second. Because I feel like half the, the struggle was, yeah, you'd have to like, honestly, like buying a record. And then if you didn't like it, it was like, Oh, oh. It'll be fucking shattered. $30, yeah. that's two weeks worth of money <laughs> gone. Like, oh. You know? Um, there's no eBay back then. So no, exactly. That exactly shit. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm stuck with this yeah. Sugar Ray record. I <laughs> Sugar Ray record once yeah. for that same reason. I, went, I saw one song on Rage, yeah. and I was like, this song is sick. Yeah. Went down, bought the record, $30 on CD. Disaster. <laughs> I wouldn't take it back. No. It's horrible. All right, so... So I guess that was your progression through towards the punk realm as well. Yeah, it kind of was. Like that yeah. led, that was kind of early high school and that led to, you know, I suppose finding out about local bands and then going to my first local show. Like yeah. when I was 16, I remember going to a Lager show at the corner, which was um, The Meanies, Splatterheads, Denial. Um, who else was on that show? The Hard-Ons. Yeah, well. Um, it was like five bands. There's one band I'm forgetting. And that was like my first local show I went to. Okay. And that was like, you know, I remember I had to leave before the Hard-Ons played their encore to make the last train home. <laughs> so, and that, that yeah. just led to every Saturday afternoon was a, 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 an under 18 show. It was an all ages show back then. So yeah. either at the corner or at the Toad in Collingwood, the Toad used to put on heaps of all ages shows. Yeah. Right. And, and that, so, like, so how did you get involved with like finding out about all those things? Just, just through friends. Yeah. And we get flyers. Sure. You go to the show, at, you know, you go to a freezer show and then you get a flyer. Right, right. For the next show and then just kind of plan it from there. Yeah. So that was the time when I, I moved away from football at the same time. Because <laughs> this was the only, the other, the other parallel in my life was always football. Yeah. Going to football every weekend with my dad. Mm-hmm. And it, it was every Saturday. And then, you know, as I got older, I was like, no, I'm going to go to the punk rock show. Yeah, yeah. So... And did that cause a rift between you and your We father? grew apart a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a couple of years when my Hawthorne membership lapsed. So, <laughs> Damn it. was pretty shattered about that. Yeah. The good thing was it coincided when we were a horrible team, so it was fine. It's perfect. It's, it's perfect, so... Yeah. Um, Alright, so from those local punk shows, was that, like, sort of towards the end of high school then, or was that during yeah. high school? that was, like, 16... 17, 18. So towards the end. Towards the end there. So what made you, like, what was your drive once you were finishing school? Like, what was your plan at that point? My plan at that point was I finished school and my dad always said to me, you know, because I I, I just fucked around the last two years of high school. Yeah. I was was taking photos at the time and I'm going to be a photographer. Yeah. You know, fine. Um, and fucked around so I didn't get my scores were shit so I couldn't get into any uni so yep. I was like okay dad's like alright you should get a trade I'm like oh fuck okay <laughs> um, so I went and I got an apprenticeship to become a chef mm-hmm. and I started my cooking apprenticeship 
on the Monday, which was the day after the very first big day out in Sydney. Okay. And all my friends were, we all had tickets to go to the big day out to yeah. go see Nirvana play. Fucking real, so I had of course. To, no, I had to bail out. Yeah, yeah. No, I had to sell my ticket mm-hmm. so I could go and start my cooking apprenticeship. So yeah. Which would have been shattering, I'm sure. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible stuff. Working in a catering company oh, in Kensington. You yeah. Know, slopping out food for nursing homes. It was hideous. Yeah. Um, so I did my apprenticeship. But the whole time during my apprenticeship, um, after I left the catering company, I worked, went and worked at a couple of different restaurants. But mm. the, the, the shit thing was that I'd be working all night. Yeah. And then, I, you know, chef, chefs work split shifts. So sure. you worked like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Then I basically raced the art house. Yeah, and right. And I'd see the headlining band. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be like, oh, this is rubbish. You know, I've missed out on everything. You missed the like show, that. yeah. Yeah. So um, at the same time, I suppose a couple of years earlier, I'd started doing community radio mm-hmm. in Melton. Yeah. And there, from that, I'd form relationships with people who'd worked at different labels and stuff like that. So yeah. I got a job working in a warehouse, yeah, packing right. the CDs in the boxes. So how did you get the community radio thing? Was that just something you're interest in listening to the radio all the time it's bad yeah it kind of was but at the same time i suppose i left out a couple of points in the story um when i was like 17 18 yeah um there was a really where i lived i grew up in melton there's a really great record store called sadbro sounds Uh and that had just a a spot-on punk and hardcore section it was just on point all the way through you go in there that's great and the dude behind the counter would go here you go, you should listen to this. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Average and no control. Fuck yeah. The dude behind the camera is Adam Simpson. Yeah, wow. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. Simo and I grew up a lot together. <laughs> so, he was always the one feeding me records. Yeah. And at the same time, him and another dude were doing a show on the local radio station called The Hardcore Show. Mm-hmm. And they'd just get on there and play and play records, one whole side of a record. So right, like okay. gangrene, one whole side. NDC, <laughs> one whole side. Yeah. And they ended up getting kicked off the station. For that reason? Well, no, just because it was a great show because you'd listen to it and the record would stop. Yeah, yeah. Easy, click, 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 click. They're outside smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so, Perfect. So the hardcore show used to love to death, but they, they ended up getting kicked off or whatever, whatever. Um, so then there was an ad in a local paper looking for people at the community radio station. Okay. And so me and a mate went, we should go and do that. Yeah. And we just did. And yeah, right. went, well, you know, someone should do, fill the hole that the hardcore show left. Yeah. So we just went, well, let's go and do that. Yeah, cool. And just built up from there. Just, you know, that was fun. So we kept, you know, we kept doing it for a few years and went, it's good. There's a few people listening. Yeah. You know, it broadcast for like 10 kilometers around the town. But yeah. there was people that would, there's actually one guy who would listen in Rosebud. Yeah, and he used to send us a fax and tell us what was going on. <laughs> He'd set up a like a, a, a an antenna system in his house made out of coat hangers, Jesus. so he could pick up the signal across town because there was no way to hear any of this stuff. Yeah, right. So we were one of the only people playing on the radio. So we went, oh yeah, fuck, sure. you know, more people want to hear this. Yeah, let's go and see three triple R wants a show. Okay, so we basically, you know, hounded them until they gave us a show. Yeah, right. And then we so were, when 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 did that start? What year did that start? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember back. I'm trying to go back in time. It would have been around <laughs> the mid nineties, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, probably in ninety five, I guess. We were at the Triple R for nine years. Wow. Fucking. And man. then I went to Triple J from there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just 
And so what were you doing while you were doing the triple R thing? Like what, what was the rest of your life? The rest of my life was, point? yeah, I got out of cooking yeah. and started working in the warehouse at a company called MDS, which was Mushroom Distribution Services. Yeah. Um, who I'd made friends with the label manager there because I would ring him up and hound him for stuff to play, to play on the radio, radio show. show. Yep. And he'd send me out, you know, things like um, Blink, the first Blink record and stuff yeah, well, like okay. that. So he was doing it. He was importing and licensing all that stuff. So yeah. we get on the phone and because you couldn't email back then. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd talk for like half an hour, 40 minutes. He'd tell me what's coming up. I'd tell him what's going on. And we just formed a friendship from there. Yeah, and one day I kind of went fuck I've had enough of being in kitchens like, I can't get out and go to shows Yeah, can I just get a job there packing boxes yeah, yeah okay I'll get you a job so yeah, you know sick. and that was the best job I've ever had Yeah, because you're in this warehouse which had you know tens of thousands of records Yeah, and all we did all day was walk around pack boxes and listen to records that's fucking sick and it was sick it was, it was not a care in the world yeah you'd leave there at five o'clock wouldn't give a fuck until the next day yeah yeah get paid steal records yeah it was like <laughs> so. so and how like what was your so you were doing that while you started doing the radio show yeah so and so like how did I guess sort of go on two tracks but like how did the how did the radio show progress like did it change from its initial concept? Totally. How did it? Yeah. How did it evolve? Well, what we originally did, it was me and a couple other guys on Triple R and on Three um, RIM. Yeah. And it was like a clubhouse feel. Okay. So it'd be like three or four of us, sometimes five of us. Yeah. Basically talking shit. Yeah. Um, and just playing our favorite records. Yeah. And you know we'd fight, we'd fucking argue, we'd talk shit about the records we play. Yeah. Right. I remember we used to, on Triple R, we used to always hang shit on the porkers. You know, Sydney Scarby and <laughs> yes, the porkers? I yeah. Do. We'd forever hang shit on them to yeah. the point where people thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And then when the porkers were in town, yeah. they supported um, Rancid mm-hmm. at the palace. Yeah. And we were told that the porkers were actually looking for us. Like they were going to feed us up. So we... we Bashed by a scar, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to skank us out of town. <laughs> so, That's funny. Um, so we, we hid upstairs because we thought, fuck, the porkers are coming. <laughs> so I mean, the, 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 the old show was just, just dudes sitting around having fun. It was like... Um, and it was a great show, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a music show, but it was also just a hangout and we fucking, we had a TV guide on the show. Yeah, right. We talked about the best TV shows. What, like, like what time like. was it airing? That? This was at eight o'clock on a Monday night on 3 R. Okay. So it was pretty, it's a really good slot. Yeah, that is. Like we started at, I think we started at midnight or 1am yeah. and slowly worked our way down to what you consider the prime time slot. Sure, yeah. Um, so we did that for ages and at the same time, all the way through, I was like, you know, going, fuck, Triple Triple J, they're the youth broadcaster. Yeah. They didn't have a show playing punk and hardcore. Yeah. They they had three hours of power. Yeah. Which was um, Costa Zulio and then Hoagie. Yes. Um, and just playing fucking metal. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally they play Mind Snare or Toe to Toe or something yeah. like that. And that's as close to punk and hardcore as it gets. So... I just went, fuck, this national broadcaster needs a show. Because at, at that time, all these bands were getting so big and it was such a, a scene happening. Yeah. Um, you know, this is when, like, fucking, you know, Prom Queen was starting to bubble under and, and Parkway and shit like that. So yeah. I was like, fuck, okay. 
Um, so I just hassled them. Yeah. I hassled Triple J until they gave me a job. And what year was that? Um, without having... I reckon it was around 94? Oh, no, I was on there for 11 years. So what was that? On yeah, Triple not, J? Yeah. So 2004. No, no. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, so yeah. 2003, I, I got on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, they called me up went, look, don't... We don't have a spot for a show, but we like the way you sound. Do you want to come and do graveyards? Okay. So I would work my day job and then go to Triple J yeah. and do graveyards, drive to my day job, park in the car park, sleep in the car, fuck, go back to the day job and, and just do that cycle. It's brutal. Well, yeah, it fucking sucked. And by that point, you'd already had a child? I'd already had a child. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So my wife was stoked. Yeah, she didn't like <laughs> the initial years of Short Fast Lad weren't yeah. the best. <laughs> not, not good. So it was just like, you know, but it was a means to an end. Because yeah. what I mean is I got inside the ABC, I had an ABC email address and I had access to people on the inside. Yeah. So I could just fucking hassle them and go, you mm-hmm. need the show, you need the show. And I'd make demos and go, this is what the show should sound like. <laughs> I knew we'd never get away with a clubhouse show. So I went, I'm going to do a straight music show, which is what triple... Uh, sorry, what Sure Fast Lad sound like at the end is pretty much what it was when I first presented it to them. Right. Just being a straight-up music show. You know, back in the early days, we had scene reports and stuff like that. Yeah. We'd have people calling from different parts of the country. That kind of become redundant after a while when everyone kind of... The internet was yeah, so strong. Yeah, it took over. didn't really need it, you know? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, that was kind of the path, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And was that, like... Was it hard getting it, like out of triple r and into them was that something that took you like a long time was that process like ages of sending them tapes of you and yeah like sending tapes and i cut up interviews that we did at triple r because we were always doing interviews and stuff so we'd have you know melancholin and gutter mouth and all these h2o and stuff like that would come in okay but i'd have to cut up those interviews and to for the um pitch for the triple j show to kind of serious talking about music stuff yeah yeah um and I'd pitched them for years, but then it was when they had a change in program director. Okay. There's a young guy who was from Geelong mm-hmm. who knew about Mondo Bizarro, which is my old Triple R show. Yeah. He'd listened to it down there. He'd become assistant program director at Triple J, uh-huh. and he was the one that got me in. So it was that changing of the guard. Yeah, cool. And he was the one who kind of championed getting the show on. So, yeah. Yeah, he was... He's got on Chris Scadden, who's now the boss at Triple J. Oh, wow. Um, he was the one who kind of championed it all the way through. He's a punk rock kid from Geelong. Yeah. So, you know, That's awesome. Yeah, it was very, very <laughs> cool. Very handy to have someone like that kind of helping you out. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so once it got, like, once the show got started, was it like, was it, I mean, obviously you'd been doing a similar thing for like a long time by that point. Was it something that... Oh, I was fucking shitting myself. Yeah. 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 Nas- national audience. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> And going, fuck, yeah, I'm a big fan. Because I'm just yeah. a music fan. I'm not any yeah. kind of expert or anything like that. So I'm just like, fuck. My only skill is being stoked on the music. Yeah. And that's the thing I always love is like going, oh, you should hear this. You should yeah. hear that. That's That's the thing. So... Yeah, when I first got on national radio, yeah. it scared the pants off me because there was so much, yeah, this show's going to suck. Yeah. You know, this will be fucked. <laughs> He'll just play no effects and body jar nonstop. That's all. The yeah. Way. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't fuck this up. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. And, and internally, too, because they were like, we don't need this show. Yeah. But, you know, within a month, it was one of the best rating specialist so what, shows and shit like that so. was the slot that you ended up having was that the slot that it started on 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because when I... Basically, they had, I think it was like a, a world music show on. Okay. In that slot. Yeah. And Fenella, who did... Um, she had two specialist shows. They wrapped up one of them. Okay. And they went, okay, we'll put your fast loud on. So, okay. you know, that's... Yeah. That's where it started. So. And so, what what was the response after that? Like, I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't an immediate, like, fuck you or this is awesome. But, like... It was pretty much a pretty immediate this is awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. It blew me away. Like, within a week, everyone was like, fuck, this is good. This is okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never really got much negative feedback yeah from anyone yeah you know every now and then I get a fucking cross punk dude from Adelaide to be pissed off because whatever <laughs> yeah I'm like cool you can't hear me in your squad anyways no. <laughs> so you don't have reception <laughs> down there <laughs> so that was fine but it, the, re- the reaction was always really good yeah and and it, it was pretty obvious that people were listening straight away especially in actually in the scene like you know I remember yeah. one of the first big controversies when I had um Greg from Against On. Yeah. And he was just talking shit on people and, you know, that kind of reverberated throughout the right. scene. Yes. You know, the next day, message boards were ablaze. Yeah. So, you know. Caused so, some beef pretty yeah, quick. It was yeah. great. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm stoked. People are listening. It's attention, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, it was pretty cool. Yeah, sick. And, okay, so at the same time while that was all happening, what was your progression in your professional life? In my professional life? Yeah, that's the other side of things. So... Um, not that the radio is not a profession, but no, it was yeah. <laughs> Your day job, my day job, yeah. Well, I was when I was working at MDS. Um, I just kind of worked my way up the the ladder. Yeah, you know, I worked in the warehouse, and like I said, that was the best job I ever had. But I went, you know what? I want to see. I would see what the the label guys is what they were called were doing, mm-hmm. and they basically what they were doing was finding cool music. Yeah. And, you know, they'd occasionally go and do trips to the US mm-hmm. to find cool music. I'm like, yeah. fuck, that sounds like a sick job. That's what you want to do. Yeah. So yeah. I went, all right, I'm going to try and work my way up to that job. So I went from, I worked in the warehouse and then I went and I was the receptionist for a while. I was like, yeah. sick, I'll get a job inside the building. Yeah. And you you've know, got a phone now. I've got a phone, exactly. <laughs> and an email address. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, and then, you know, a job come up as the assist in the Australian department at MDS, like they were the first label that signed the living end. Okay. So that department was just going nuts. Cause yeah, they, yeah. Um, it's a big deal. Prisoner of Society's second solution was going berserk. Yeah, like, yeah. Selling fucking 20,000 copies a week or whatever it was yeah, doing. Crazy. So they're like, we need someone to come into the Australian department as an assistant. Okay. So I'm like, cool. I went and did that. Yep. And just slowly worked my way up. You know, I worked at MDS and then a whole bunch of the guys that were at MDS left when a company called Zomba started in Australia. Yep. Zomba was Jive Records. It was Jive Zomba. So yep. it was Backstreet Boys, yep. uh, NSYNC. So a very big label. Massive label. One of the, yep. At the time, they were the biggest independent in the world and they set up an Australian office because they had Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Tool. Um, yep. All that shit was happening there. So they went and set up their own office we all went and worked there. So I yeah. kind of worked up, got to um, work in the marketing department there. Mm-hmm. So I was working on like, like the biggest record I've worked on there was like Tool Lateralis. Do you remember that yeah, record? Yeah. Giant Huge record. record. Huge record. Horrible. Band. I was probably looking at your marketing yeah. thing going, this is <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> I got a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I designed that artwork. Um, so that was great. You know, working there, worked there for a while. And then, you know, the, the boy band 
thing went bust. Died. Yeah. yeah. So they went, we're downsizing. Yeah. Like, we're going to move the head office to Sydney. Stu, come to Sydney with us. I went, nah. No. I don't want to go to Sydney. Yes. Like, you know, You've obviously got a family. But... Well, yeah, I did at that stage. My life's here. I want to stay here. And so I got made redundant. Yep. Um, and I remember it was just awesome because at that time, it was... It was the music industry in the mid '90s, so it was the you know the land of milk and honey. You go to the fridge at the end of the day, it's a glass doored fridge full of imported beers. Yeah, yeah. It's just shit everywhere. <laughs> so we're getting made redundant, walking out with like six pairs of Vans that were there for prize competitions, a snowboard. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, call me a cab. You yeah. know, something real. So, um, so I got made redundant from there, and then like you know about three or four days later, a guy I knew at Shock mm-hmm. called me up. Yeah, and went come and work for us. Yeah, so he gave me a job as a label manager down there. Yeah, and I basically worked at Shock for the next I don't know nine years. Yeah, suppose. and what what were you looking after when you first started working at Shock? When I was working at Shock, I was doing all a lot of the punk stuff. So I was doing yeah. Fat Records, and, you and know, was that by way of your radio work, or was a, that by way of just a little bit? That's what you know. You know, you're, this yeah. is what you're the expert in. You come okay. in, and you can you know you know all about this stuff so yeah i was doing you know all the fat stuff the hopeless stuff um yeah. you know working with bands like the vandals and no effects and um just anything in that world anything where there's a chain wallet attached yes big shorts <laughs> you got it me and the guy at dickies were like this <laughs> i used to get so many free dickies and yeah. it was insane so that was my world so i worked down there and you know um Worked on a whole bunch of stuff, like, you know, I suppose, Bring Me the Horizon and things like that are some of the bigger records I worked. And then yeah. at the same time, um, I brought Resist over to Shock. Yep. So I was working with Grazer on Parkway and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, um, Horizons was the first Parkway record I worked on with him and just yeah, worked see. on all the, you know, all the um, campaign for that. So that was pretty, yeah. pretty fun. A massive thing to do? A massive thing, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that record debuted number six it was fucking insane yeah so and i suppose as well doing the radio show too you had been there yeah fucking whole time that they were popping off it was a bit weird that was always the kind of fine line i trod between the two jobs because it was like you know i put something out during the day i was like i'm gonna go and play this on my radio show yeah it's on the abc is that a conflict of interest but i was like oh and i would always wrestle with the idea that it's a conflict but Mm -hmm. my boss at triple j were like don't be fucking stupid. Yeah. You've got integrity. If you didn't, yeah. we wouldn't have you here. Well, and also, like, you, uh, as, like, an active member of the scene as yeah. well, you can see, like, it's not just your yeah. interests. Like, people fucking love this band. Well, exactly. Know? Exactly. Like, and, yeah, Short Fast Lab was never my interests. Yeah. You know, it was a show I put together to, I suppose, showcase everything that's happening. So Represent... Everything- all interest yeah. in that realm or whatever. We had a fucking massive kind of band all the way through to some tiny band who just put out a demo. I'm like, I yeah. want to show everything in this scene. So yeah. that's where I was like, okay, that's fine. This is not, you <clears throat> yeah. know, there's no conflict here. And at the same time, I would license things to put out at shock that I wouldn't play on the radio show because I knew they were shit. Yeah. But I still knew they'd sell. Yeah, so yeah. Like, okay, this is fine. This yeah. is okay. So yeah, shock was great. Shock yeah, was a fucking amazing company back in the day. So. Yeah, and um, what <clears throat> what uh, led to your movement from there? What led to my movement from there? I went. Shock was going. Uh, let me see what I can say here. No, no that's okay. um, 
Shock was going really well, mm-hmm. massive, like massive indie label. At the same time, the owners of Shock were diversifying, buying other companies. Okay. They as made, business people do. As business people do, because they think, you know, I need to buy more stuff to make me bigger. Mm-hmm. They made a couple of wrong choices. Okay. And the bank basically said, yeah, no more money. So mm. they foreclosed on Shock. Okay. So Shock went under. Yep. Um, and one of the creditors which Shock owed a lot of money to was a CD manufacturer called Regency. Mm-hmm. Regency bought out Shock. Yep. And basically then the company, uh, company changed. Yep. Instead of being run by three music or two music guys who started the company in the front of their house in Northcote, yeah, it got it got um, taken over by a businesswoman and a board of directors, and sure. with that, you know, music is such a gut feel. Yeah, it's like you know, I reckon we should spend all this money marketing this record. Why? Because we should. Hopefully, it'll I be think good. it's going to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. No, show me a spreadsheet. Show me a P and L. Yeah, I'm like oh, that doesn't work. No, you know, so. <laughs> I left there because it just wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. Um, so I went to, I actually went to work for Unified for about nine months, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I was working down there um, when that first started up, when it yep. was still Boomtown. I was there as we kind of changed it into Unified. Um, for various reasons, I kind of decided to leave that little operation. Yep. Um, still great too. It's doing some amazing stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't Employing right Employing my house time. <laughs> Employing Patty. <laughs> Um, to do some sick t-shirts. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, one of my good mates become the GM at Shock. And he's like, dude, please come back. Yeah. Please come back. So I went, all right. So I went back there. Worked at Shock for another two years. Yeah. I didn't get any better. Yep. <laughs> so I walked out. Yeah. And um, then uh, basically a, a guy, a label in the UK, which I've worked with called Cooking Vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um met the guy that ran that a couple of times. He contacted me and also Lee, my friend who was want to pull me back into That's shock. shock yeah. Um, contacted us both and said, we want to set up an Australian operation. Yeah. Do you guys want to be involved? Yeah. So I went through a whole process of that. And basically in partnership with him, we set up cooking vinyl Australia, yep. which is unreal. That's which, awesome. You know, I'm now kind of running the show you yeah. know, it's my money involved in it, you know, yeah, yeah. and so I can make those calls on stupid spends and stuff we just love. Yeah, sure. Um, so how many people do you have working for you at Cooking Vinyl now? Uh, there's there's four of us there. <clears throat> yep. There's myself and Lee, mm-hmm. and we have a publicist and a label manager. Yep. Um, we have a couple of people that come in one day a week as well. Yeah. And, and intern is in every week, and also a, a sync person who comes in every week. So. Cool. It's the fucking best thing ever. That's awesome. Man. And we, we have a strict no assholes policy. Yep. <laughs> we don't work with people who are assholes yeah. because we don't want to fucking put up with that shit. Yeah. We went through enough of that, so I was like... Yeah, well, I suppose both of you had learnt yeah. the hard way. <laughs> the hard way. We've yeah. been around for a long enough time. No, you're, you're not someone we want to work with. Yeah. You are. So now we work with people we love, you know, high tensions, it's fucking the best it's great. people yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, Grazer, Resist, come over with us. Yeah. Um, just good people yeah. all around, so it's it's unreal. That's cool. It's a really really good vibe. So sick. Um, so I guess to go back to the radio for a minute, where so as as you know, as that developed, obviously you were going through shock and moving through these various different enterprises. Um, where was the point where you saw that show like come into like its own? You know, like come out from just from being like. You know, when it started, it was hard to get yourself on there, and then you got yourself 
on and it sort of started working its way into the fabric of like the scene where did you see it as it becoming like oh this is a real fucking thing now you know like this is a this is a part of this scene um i i don't know i don't know as i think the, yeah. i think the show kind of grew um there was weird moments like yeah. when i'd still get weirded out when people would recognize me yeah, right. Want to talk to me? Yeah, and it, it always would happen. People would recognise my voice first. Yeah, because <laughs> like, oh, there's that guy. Like, ah, how's it going? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, there were there were those weird moments when I knew. I suppose when major labels started realising what I was doing, like when yeah. they want to fly me to a show and things like that. Oh well. I'd be like, I never did it. Yeah. But it was like, this is a bit fucking strange. This is weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I don't want to do that because then you'll think I owe you something. Yes, for sure. Um, or, yeah, just, I suppose just things like that. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I suppose when some of these bands continue to get bigger too. Yeah. That's when you know. Well, I guess you saw it. You would have... De- I mean, obviously, Parkway is the easy one to talk about, but yeah. you saw the rise of a lot of Australian stuff as well as a lot of overseas stuff too. Well, Amity's probably one too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Amity really grew. I mean, Parkway was bubbling under before the show. Yeah. But Amity was really, I suppose, kind of started around the same time. Okay. Because I remember playing their stuff and I remember like Aaron coming on the show, doing his first interview, being fucking shit scared. And yeah, stuff yeah. Like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, don't, I don't have a firm answer on that. It's, That's a, it's, it's a weird one. Um, yeah, that's that's funny that I when the time that I came and did it for yeah. I exist and like I guess that by that point I was like I mean I, I was an adult at that point and I was like <laughs> you know I'd missed all the years of I guess because the bands I was in when I was a kid weren't very good but also we were in Canberra it's kind yeah. of to do sort of shit like that but I remember when you know, our, the record that we did that came out and. Graham was like, oh, yeah, you know, Stu wants to have you on Show Fast Live. I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. That'd be great. I've never been on the radio before. I've never done it. You, you hadn't been on the radio? I think I'd done, oh, like phone interviews. Yeah. But I've never been to like a studio. And and the ABC is so fucking intimidating. Dude. Like yeah. coming, and you were like, you know, you got to tell the security guy this, that, yeah. and the other. And like, I, well, I remember that I, like, I'm sure I can reveal this to the internet, that like, I'd, <laughs> I'd message you and I said, do you mind if I bring beer to the studio? <laughs> and like, in my head, I was like, oh, I'll just bring beer because like, it'll just be funny. And then when I got there, I was like, fuck, I'm glad I brought beer. Cause I was <laughs> like, I was nervous too. I was like, this is really intimidating. This is a huge building, you yeah. know, like it's so intimidating that building. And the first person I saw when I walked in was John Safran. Like the oh, first really? person I saw just before out. I saw you. And I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> like, and I had like, four tall tins in my backpack and I was like but yeah like and I mean definitely I mean I don't know when I exist started anyway we were like we were you know struggled but also was supported quite heavily by like broken glass being a thing and the fact that the time that like you were on there as well and that I knew that like that I was on broken glass yeah yeah no like you you were there and like I knew that oh okay so I know this this guy will play my band's demo on the radio and and like you played some of the songs of the I Exist demo on the radio and I was like and like you know the other guys from I Exist had been in bands before they'd been on it and stuff but like I was like this is 
it's fucking great. Like that at the time when we were starting, it was still like, you know, and I'd say the whole way through, you were still fostering that. I think that's what was rad about it. Actually, that's what kept me going at it for so long. Yeah, was, you know, I got the reason why I kind of stopped was I was getting bored with the bigger bands. Right, like a lot of the stuff that I would play, I would play because I felt it needed to be played. Mm-hmm. But you know. Like a band like a Mice and Men, I don't give a shit about. But I was yeah. like, oh, they should they should be on the radio. But I was always stoked about playing a band like Series you know, yeah. on the radio. I was like, fuck, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? For sure, yeah. So that was one. That's still one of my favorite things. Yeah. And you know, you play a band like that, and you get that excited email, and you'd be like, yeah. dudes are fucking stoked. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, like, I know for sure, like that was something that, like, for I exist, that definitely like changed it from being hardcore dudes who were on the internet liking us to like (laughs) people being like oh there's a band from Canberra that's actually like Mm. not just fucking retards from Canberra like it's maybe they're retards from Canberra that are good (laughs) yeah like maybe they can play songs retards from Canberra who've been on the radio (laughs) yes yes (laughs) no but like you know we could like like it changed the appeal from being like oh, just dudes to like, oh, okay, maybe there's like, there's something there. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, like it was great. Oh, that's it was, awesome. It was a really cool thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I do miss that. That's one thing I miss is getting yeah. that new music and, and finding those bands and yeah. you know, not finding them, not like I'm discovering a band, but, you know, playing them on the radio. It was, yeah. It was kind of really Well, helping cool. show them to a far yeah, broad audience. absolutely. You know? you know, hey, dudes in Perth, check out this band. Yeah, you know? fucking earth. Dudes in some of those weird places. You know? yeah. So that was the crazy thing about that station is, you know, we take it for granted in the city. Yeah. Out in the country, fucking people love Triple J. Yeah, yeah. Those regional areas. Yeah. Just... Well, I mean, a Canberra for sure. Yeah. Like it's absolutely. a massive thing in Canberra. Yeah. You know? Um. So what was other than you know not, you know, some of the band things? What what was the catalyst then for you, you know, ending your tenure there? Was it? You'd just been doing... You felt like you'd been doing it for too I long? I felt like I'd been doing it for... There's different things. I suppose there's lots of factors. Um, doing it... I, I'd done it for 11 years. So, about the start of the last year, I went, yeah, this might be my last year. Yeah. Because I always promised myself I'd never take it for granted. Yeah. I never want to sound like I was fucking just going through the motions. Sure. I always want to be genuinely stoked when I was playing something. Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle of winter... Leaving the ABC at fucking 2.30am on a Wednesday, (laughs) Thursday morning is so grim. It's so grim when you walk out there and it's pouring down with rain. And I'm just like, fuck. And having to go all the way to Melton. Going all the way to Melton. (laughs) um, You know, two o'clock filling out APRA forms going, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. So I was like, all right, that was starting to get hard. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, it's time for a change. And because I was like, these... A lot, I wasn't loving the the bigger bands as much. Yeah. So it was like, still enjoy doing all the new music stuff. Yeah. A lot of these bigger bands kind of bore me a little bit. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like that on, on the radio. Yeah. And I mean, you, you have like a, you know, you have a commitment to playing those things. Yeah. And know. I'm not, so, I'm not, this is nothing against those bands. It was, they're just not my personal taste. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was like, you know what? It could be time for a change. And yeah. Just to get out. 11 years, that's sick. Yeah. And also, I went. It was getting to the point where I went. My son 
is almost as old as my listeners. <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's like, time to give this maybe a Maybe it's time to get out. I'm yeah. like, you're in high school, dude. I'm about to leave the show. Yeah. You should cash in on the fact that your dad's on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. can. Sure. So, Did he ever? He, no, he doesn't. He plays his card. He's pretty cool about it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, once or twice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> But he wrote a really sweet Facebook message when I gave it up. So that was cool. That's cool. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know what? It was like, okay, that's cool. And, and also, um, I, I was 40 last year. So I'm like yeah. 40 years old. I'm the national youth broadcaster. Yeah. That's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. You know. 40's the cutoff. <laughs> yeah, I think so. In my mind, it was always the cutoff. So yeah. so I don't know. I, I Whatever I do, I, I like I said, I'd take 12 months break. Yeah. So I'll probably end up doing a podcast like you. Yeah. So it's, it's cool so far. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. It was just one of those things. It was time for a change. Yeah. Um, someone new in the job. Yeah. And it was cool because they let me help pick out Josh, who's doing the show. Yeah, now. for sure. Um, and, and it was cool because Josh had been doing graveyards after me for like 12, 18 months. Oh, really? So I knew him really well. I didn't know that. Yeah, he. Suppose they don't Josh's. stay up that late. No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Working do in childcare. <laughs> don't have time. <laughs> So, yeah, he was always doing graveyards after me. So, and he's super enthusiastic. And yeah. I was like, fuck, okay, cool. And, you know, they got him to do a whole bunch of dummy playlists and, yeah. what do you reckon of these? And I was like, fuck, looks like he's got it sort of sussed. So, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I, I, th- I mean, I think he's doing really well in there too. Like, the first time I listened to it after you'd stopped doing it, yeah. it was a while after, but, you know. I go to bed at 10 o'clock because yeah, I, I do have, have to go too. to work with kids in the morning. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was like coming home from a band practice and I turned it on just to like, you know, just suss yeah. it out. I'd never met the dude or anything. And like turned on the first thing I heard, he was like, oh, this is Manhunt. And I was like, this is fucking awesome, dude. This is killer. Like yeah. the fact that it hadn't, I feel like it hasn't lost a step in terms of the new stuff that I don't like. Yep. And also the new stuff that I fucking love that's people I know. Well, that you know? was a big thing for me. I want Because I fought so hard to get the show on. I yeah. Like, I don't want someone to fuck it up. Sure. And he's not doing that. Yeah, no, I think he's doing great. That's the best compliment I can give him. He's yeah. not fucking it up. So. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, like that That to me was the sign like, uh, man, that's killer. Yeah. And I'd never met him. And then he came to a... A show in Penrith that I just played with clowns a couple months ago, <laughs> and I guess he like he knew the guys from clowns or whatever, and like he came up and introduced himself to me, and I was like, ah, oh, fucking sick, and like literally the first thing I said to him was like, man, you played Manhunt, <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> awesome, <laughs> like ten thirty on a you know yeah. at night, that's sick, yeah. but yeah, that's great that it's sort of you ha- you know he has a. <laughs> Hurt your baby. <laughs> no, it I feel like I can go to bed now at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Yeah. It's in good feel hands. Feel good about it. Yeah. Shit's okay. So. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, that's so, cool. with, um, has your, has your musical influence at all, like, passed on to your children yet, or is that something you're not seeing happening? My daughter, definitely not. Yeah. My daughter's all, like, it's all pop stuff. Yeah. Total pop stuff. She's a little... Primary school will do that. She's too. a girl. She's yeah, a yeah, girl, exactly. Really girly, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, she's a really girly taste. Like, yeah. little girl, she does ballet. Yep. She listens to pop music. Sure. Um, my son's all over the place. Yeah. Like... Because he's at a really crucial point right totally now. Totally crucial point. At this point, I was listening to Anthrax. Yeah. So, he's... His musical taste is... 
it's very eclectic, mm-hmm. which is rad. Yeah, no, it's I, awesome. I'd never wanted to point him in any direction. Yeah. Like, I go into my office at home and go, like, you know, there's fucking 15,000 CDs there. Jeez, and you have yeah. whatever he wants and go nuts. But um, listen to a lot of hip-hop. Yeah. Um, loves N.W.A. It's great. As did I when I was 15. Yeah, so I pretty stoked on that. Yeah. Um, but he's all over the shop. Loves Parkway. Yeah. You know, loves the Bronx. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, odd future and things like that in there. Yeah. So, so I'm like, okay, you'll work it out. Yeah, that's it. So, you know... <coughs> So, where do you see things going for you from here? Like, obviously, the label is the main focus at the moment. What's Label's what's the, the plan focus. for you? Um, to keep doing that, to keep growing that. Yeah. That's going good. Like, we've had some really big records coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing more and more deals. We're working with some good international labels now. We're doing stuff sure. with, like, Side One Dummy. We've got some good stuff happening. This great yep. band called Beach Slang, who I love to death. Uh, modern baseball, super heaven, yeah, cool, high tension. So we have got a lot of good stuff happening there. And look, I don't know, as I'm enjoying yeah. kind of not having to be in the city at yeah. night time. <laughs> That's such an appeal to our podcast. I'm doing from home, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. When I, I will end up doing some kind of podcast, and I, I enjoyed, I enjoy this. I yeah, enjoy yeah. the long form interview. Yeah, I think so. I, I like it too. And like, I like, I think. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you at the radio, but when I did the show with you, that like I was there for ages because yeah. we just talked we just for hung ages. Out, yeah. yeah, like and like it's. I think this format is cool in terms that like, I guess I don't know what happened in the last couple of years. I you know that people are like they want to hear. It's so weird. All my radio training, yeah, was keep the interviews short. Yeah, like when I first started Triple J, they were like you know three minute interviews. Mm-hmm tight chop them all up yeah done. yeah and they would my initial feedback when you do an air check was your interviews are too long yeah right and I'd have like three five minute segments so in total it's 15 minutes yeah and I was like no people don't want that you know people are in their cars they want to hear if it's not a band they don't like they'll switch over yeah yeah and it's the ABC and they say they don't care about ratings but you always get told about these things about you know watching the clock and keeping people on for the next 15 minutes yeah. and stuff like that. So they, they so, clearly do. Yeah, yeah, they clearly do. Yeah. Um, but it's... I, I love a long-form interview. And yeah. I, you know what the best thing is? I would have loved if I could have done Short, Fast, Loud, have the interview that goes to air, yeah. but then have the kind of after-dark version, which is everything we talk about yeah. before. Like, you know, you and I were probably on air for 10 minutes. Yeah. And we talked for 50 minutes. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. So, I That's don't know. Cool. It's, it's something which I'll work out. Yeah, awesome. Know. It's a lot less intimidating doing it in your house than in the ABC. Yeah. A couple of years. You're not seeing John Safran there. Not seeing John Safran <laughs> walking around. When, when I used to do um, graveyards on Triple J, one of the first ones I did, like, um, you'd be coming in, it was like 1am until 6am. And you did in that little back studio with Triple J and you'd be like, fuck. And it was horrible because you had no choice in the music. Yeah. So it'd be like 4.30 and I'd be going, this is the John Butler trio. Oh, Good morning, yeah. Australia. <laughs> um, Welcome to work, tradies. Well, yeah. How's it going? How's that big M taste this morning? <laughs> um, and I'd look up and Red Simon's are pressing his face up against the glass. Because <laughs> he does the... Um, the more breakfast show on the ABC, which is yeah. the next studio. Yeah. So he loves to terrorize people who do the graveyard shifts. <laughs> yeah. Just scare the shit out That's of so you. Funny. So, yeah, I don't know. Broadcasting from home. I yeah. like that idea. That's the plan. 
problem is you can't play music on podcasts. Yeah. So I've got to work a way around that because I want to play music as well. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I've done so far... Well, I had Jamie You've got Hayden. sweet intro music, though. Yeah, I made that. Did you really? Yes, I, I was going to ask where that <laughs> I made it. Um, yeah, I had Jamie Hay do a song. I heard that. That was unreal. Sick. He played it here. Live in the lounge room. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> and then I played a clown song that I don't know if I was allowed to. But I don't they think, sent it to me. I don't think Andy's going to sue you for that. No, I don't think he sues either. But they sent it to me, so whatever. I think but, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, that that is something that I'd like to look into more. And, like, one of my things is that I'm going to try and do it, you know, over the coming weeks a bit. Is I One thing that... I mean, two plans that I had was, like, I'd like to talk to people that don't get interviewed, like yeah. yourself. Yeah, you yeah, end yeah. up interviewing people. This you is know? weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, but also, like, interviewing bands as a whole, not just... That's fucking... One dude that's from risky. a band. I know. I know it's risky. And my initial thought was... And I've said this before, is that like, I'll, the first one I'll just do with I Exist, that'll be easy. And then, as soon as I thought about it a little bit more, I'm like, I'm going to be How fucking do that? hell. Like, well, I never had more than two because well, you can't understand the voices. Yeah, you well, go. yeah. So I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Okay. I feel like that's something I want to do, but I'm going to have to work out. Like, I mean, the whole reason I'd like to do it with I Exist is because I can say like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, Now true. this person's talking, like, directed a bit, but... But it'd be cool if I exist if you kind of almost had like a chain going. So you ask one guy a question <laughs> yeah. and pass and just it Just get past it. Yeah. That's, yeah that works. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, we'll see how that goes. Um, okay. Is there anything you want to advertise? Anything from your label that's coming soon? No, I think I, it was very unsubtle plugs before that's for okay. records coming up. Um, uh, Beach Lang. Why don't you listen to Beach Lang? That band's yep. amazing. I've never um, heard them. I will try. Yeah, if you like the replacements. Yep. And one of the dudes used to be in a great old go kart records band called Weston, mm-hmm. who were around in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, check out Beach Slang. Uh, modern baseball people already know about it. new high tension records. Insane. Fuck yeah. That's, that's coming sick. out in July. That that's going to be sick. Yep. That's about it, really. Awesome. Cool. All right. Follow me on Twitter if you want to hear some horrible fucking one-eyed Hawthorne supporting on the weekends. Fuck yeah. Go the Hawks, mate. Go the Hawks. All right. Thanks, Stu. Thanks, Brutal. Just wanted to throw in real quick a big thank you to everyone that's been listening to the show. Um, stay tuned the next couple of weeks. Got some cool guests planned, some different sort of things that I've been doing, and I'm stoked to get it rolling. Um, get at us on... Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and let us know what you think and go to our website and our SoundCloud to listen to the episodes. There are all the previous ones are up and yeah. Thanks for coming around and listening to me talk shit with people I like. Brutal!